You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome into the Austin Audible's post-game edition podcast. Matt Frame, Eric Scopel on the show. We are in actual press box in Allegiant Stadium. Um doing this, this show. Pretty interesting game. Oregon got their ass kicked 38-10, second time in three weeks that they played this team, and it's the exact same result. And I think on this podcast, um, every fan that's going to listen to this game from, from an Oregon perspective, probably a Miami perspective, probably every other Pac-12 school's perspective, wants to know more about what Mario Cristobal said about things off the field than what actually transpired because rumors have swirled all day. We're recording this Friday night. It swarmed all day, Friday morning, Friday afternoon, up until kickoff during the game about Miami and the Hurricanes coming for Mario Cristobal uh, and what he would do, what he would say, would he take the job. And honestly, Eric, it he said a lot, but at the same time he kind of didn't really say anything. The game is secondary on this podcast. Yeah. I think I'll just say that right up front because the future of this program will be determined to some degree, right? Obviously, not everything comes down to the head coach, but a lot of what the future of this program the immediate will, future. will be determined in the next 24, 48, 72 hours whenever Mario Cristobal does one of two things. He's two contracts, I think, to sign right now. One's with Oregon. He's acknowledged that they has paperwork. That was one of the things he did say tonight. And the other was with Miami, which he didn't want to acknowledge or didn't acknowledge that he has had any talks with. Um but, as you said, the rumors today have been very clear about what's at stake and where his decision is going to lie, and he has to make it soon. Um, he can re-sign with Oregon, or he can go to Miami. And I think, honestly, if I'm reading tea leaves, I don't know how much we want to get into that because it's yeah. right now we're just parsing through what's been said. I don't feel very good about Mario Cristobal being Oregon's head football coach in 2022 based upon what he has said tonight. Um, again, didn't come out and say, I'm leaving feel like this was a little bit like a Willie Taggart, slightly, in terms of there's been rumors swirling, and he's trying to kind of diminish it. I actually was a little disappointed. He started by saying that we were trying to create narratives by asking about Here, it. Here's, here's his full quote. James Graffia, the Oregonian, asked him if he plans to sign a contract extension, which has been reportedly offered to him at Oregon, or accept a job with Miami. Uh, Cristobal says, when you say someone's offer, I haven't talked to anyone Let's not create narratives as we sit in this press conference. Oregon is working on some stuff for me, and that's what I have right now. So he he acknowledges that there is a contract offer being presented to him or being built for him from the Oregon Ducks, but he also doesn't say that he plans to sign it. Mm-hmm. And I understand that there's leverage that everyone needs to, to accomplish and to press down on when you have it in contract negotiations, but... This was an opportunity for him to come out and say, "I'm going to be, I'm going to be at Oregon," and he, and he gave a non-answer. He chose not to say that, yeah. right? I mean, that was a choice. He has an opportunity. You're right. He doesn't have to say the contract is sitting in my office. I'm going to go home and sign it. He can right. say, "My future is at Oregon. I know where yeah. my future is at. It's at this school." He didn't say that, right? And I understand the heat of a moment coming off again. Like it's going to be secondary. We'll talk to, about the game a little bit, I'm sure, on this podcast. Um, 
they got their asses kicked. It was embarrassing. Mm-hmm. It was embarrassing to the point where Kirk Herbstreit and Chris Fowler said said as yeah. much, right? And that's not. I mean, I thought that was pretty notable, by the way, to hear that from. Those are very two pro Oregon people. Well, they're just people that don't usually say something like that, and to say it on a national stage like that, this was embarrassing. I think it's what everybody felt. I don't think there's an Oregon fan who was here. By the way, it was about ninety ten, probably. Yeah, with that, it was it was a lot of Utah fans here. Fantastic showing by them in terms of they brought a lot of fans here. They yep. played a great football game. Um, all of that is, is 100% true. Um, but, boy, boy, I think you come out of this going, man, if Mario Cristobal is going to be Oregon's football coach next year, he might have said something about that today, and he didn't. What happens next? We'll see. It's going to be a wild next two to three days. Again, who knows how this happens. This stuff happens quickly right now. You think about how quickly Lincoln Riley moved from Oklahoma yep. to USC. You think about how quickly Brian Kelly moved from Notre Dame to LSU. Those were almost instantaneous. The moment you started hearing rumblings it was going to happen, it happened. Those same kind of rumblings have been reported by multiple outlets, including the Miami Herald, who obviously is is the home paper for the Hurricanes. Hurricane. So don't be at all surprised if, shoot, you might be listening to this podcast Saturday morning and news might start breaking. Yep. I'm concerned. We've got stuff prepared. I'm concerned that while I'm flying home from Las Vegas back to Eugene on Saturday morning, I might be on the air when a decision is okay. announced. I think that's all on the table right now. Um, I think you have to be very aware of this. And if you're an Oregon fan, I don't know where your head's at right now. How do you feel about this program? How do you feel about this direction, regardless of who the head coach is? How do you feel if it's Mario Cristobal? I think you're questioning some things after today's showing, after two really bad losses. Two of his worst three losses have come in the last 13 days, both to Utah. They had an opportunity here to kind of nip some things in the butt, to make some alterations, to change some things, to come back and be more competitive. And they weren't. And it felt very, very similar to the previous loss, which is what makes it so frustrating. And then the counter of this is if Mario Cristobal does take the Miami job, what's your shortlist? Who's on it? How quickly can you get them here? How quickly can you shore up the 2022 recruiting class? Because signing day is, boy, today's the third. It's in 12 days. It's it's right around the corner. So a lot of stuff is happening. It's happening quickly. Um, This is the time of year where, you know, us as reporters typically kind of hope, hey, get a couple days here after the conference championship Zero. game to relax. No, we're not getting any of that. And those, like as Oregon fans, are going to be dealing with the same thing here of going, oh, typically we'd be kind of, oh, what's the next bowl game? Let's get prepared for that. I don't think anybody really cares about it, whether it's the Alamo yep. Bowl or some other bowl where they're going. Everybody wants to know who the head football coach is. And frankly, I think we'll know pretty soon. Mario Cristobal was asked uh, first by James uh, if he would sign his deal and then, or if he would accept the Miami offer. I asked the second question, which was, what would he then say to the Oregon fan base and the boosters and the people that support this program that are concerned about his status as the head coach going into the 2022 football season? This was teed up for him to say, I am the coach at Oregon in 2022, and this is what he said. I would say if there's anything to report, I would report it. I've always, over the years... I always have over the years. I think because certain things or cert- or some things are actually put out there or not, every year our entire staff, whether it's behind the scenes, public or not, we've always had people come after our people, including myself. How the media treats it, how the media postures it, I have no control of it. Except he did. Except he did. He had the opportunity to straight up and say, I love at Oregon, I want to be at Oregon, this is home, and he didn't. And I understand, but 
there is no narrative by us being created yeah, no. when he has a, an opportunity to squash said made-up narrative. You had the third question. You asked, and I think this is a fair question too. And, and I think the players gave our gave them their response. Mark Cristobal gave us a response. And I think this is 100% understandable. You asked, did this outcome against Utah happen because of all the rumors, all the unclarity, all the uncertainty of his position at Oregon. Yeah. No, I, it's, I think it had to be asked, right? Yeah. Because this was a stinker of a showing. This was a showing that was largely synonymous with what we saw in Salt Lake. A week or so after, we'd heard all of this talk about how things were going to be better, things were going to be changed. Things weren't better. Things weren't changed. Anthony Brown struggled again. Lots of self-inflicted wounds. Opportunities lost. Turnovers forced by this defense that don't result in any points. Um, Utah playing, again, I think... Solid football, but not their best game. Two turnovers, again, that don't turn into anything. Yep. And you go, why Why is this the case? Yeah. And I think it's hard to ignore, again, the Africa-sized elephant in the room, the massive Africa-sized elephant in the room, the, the huge piece here of your head coach was all week. Well, we start on Sunday, went home to Miami to see his mom, and obviously that part kind of – not take anything away. That needs to take place. If his mom is sick, it sounds like she is. I trust that 100%. Go home. Take care of business. Family is important. I think that kind of sent the tone, though, for a week that was just a little off, right? You have your head coach not there for your Sunday practice. It's a shortened week because you have a game on Friday. And then the day of the game, the rumors really start to pick up and really start to pick up. And by the time you get to kickoff, the game itself is almost secondary because what is going on with your head coach has taken center stage. I mean, shoot, he's trending on Twitter I think third, I think online. Yes, at least. he's the third most talked about thing on social media right now. And that right there tells you that it's impossible for them not to see it. Yes. You know, and, and, and credit to the players for saying they block everything out. That's what you're supposed to say. I can't imagine it's not something that impacted some of this to, to a small degree. And I want to be very clear. I don't want to take anything from Utah. No, absolutely not. They, they really they, great game. To, to strip, kick Oregon's ass two times in a row is made it definitively clear beyond doubt they are the best team in this conference this season. And any idea of Oregon being the superior program right now has been thwarted. Yeah. Because that's Utah. Mm-hmm. It, the, the way in which they played this game two times in three weeks, and it was the exact same game both times, Oregon could not stop Oregon could not stop Utah's offense. They could not tackle. The line of scrimmage was dominated by the excuse me by the Utes on both sides of the football. Mm-hmm. This is there are you know Mario Cristobal cannot go out now and preach physicality and dominance and and owning the line of scrimmage because I'm sorry the last two times that you have played an opponent that is near your equal you haven't you haven't been able to. To not only just keep it competitive, it, it's it's not competitive. Yeah. Like until you go out and you play a team like this again, and and you win the game, you're kind of in a position where you're not top dog alpha talking all the smack that you you normally you, like to talk. Well, you certainly can't push it. You're the best team in the Pac-12, no. which is a thing you've been able to say the last two two years as Pac-12 champions. And I, I also we we should note this was a season that ends with a. Opportunity to play for a conference championship. That's significant. It's a game where if they win this game, they go to a Rose Bowl. Those are significant things. Yeah. If those are milestones where if you complete those objectives, you come away and can say it's a successful season, even though the college football playoff 
fell off a couple of weeks ago, to, to not only miss out on both the things I just said winning a conference, but also the Rose Bowl, but again, to lose in the fashion they did where, once again, this game was over at halftime. Yep. You know, I think that was the hard part here was all week, I think we talked ourselves into this will be different, the outcome Maybe they won't win, but it'll be really competitive. You you picked a one point win. I picked a one point loss. Jared picked a six point loss. Like all of us, were thinking, not even all of us were thinking this game would come down to the fourth quarter and it could kind of go either way. It wasn't the case at all. It was over at halftime. Um, I thought poor clock management once again bites Oregon right before the end of the first half against Utah two weeks ago down in Salt Lake City. It was again just not monitoring the clock and ultimately you punt the ball or forced to punt the ball when you didn't have to. You could have run the ball and run the clock out. And you wouldn't even have to punt it to Utah, and Britton Covey takes it the length of the field for a touchdown. This time around, it's 24 seconds. You have one timeout. The offense, especially the passing game, has been pretty anemic. Not even pretty anemic. It's been anemic. It hasn't done anything. And you have Anthony Brown, first throw ball into coverage that's almost intercepted. The very next play does throw a ball that's intercepted, and Utah scores three points at the end of the half there. Both, again, back-to-back weeks. These are very similar things against Utah where – I think these are self-inflicted wounds by the coaching staff of just not giving the opportunity for the players, really, to go into half with any sort of momentum. And to, it's the exact opposite. Rather than going into the half going, okay, it was a bad half, but well, let's regroup, you go in with the other team hooting and hollering and the, and the crowd really you know, excited and, and happy with what's going on. And that's just the outcome that you want to avoid. Um, so I thought both of those were really significant and telling moments in these games. Um, just the way that they ended halves and also the way that they, again, unable to stop Utah on third down, unable to convert third downs themselves. I mean, the third down stats were, were pretty atrocious. Again, they were caught behind the sticks all game. Um, I think at one point they were they were like one for nine. I don't know what they finished because my computer has like the freeze <laughs> on the tab. Here it is. Um, I have it. That's fun podcasting. Four for 12 is where they finished on third down. Uh, Utah went six for 13. Oregon in the red zone again today, aside from a touchdown late in the game in the fourth quarter, just came up over. And it was just so many of the same exact sort of issues we've seen now in, in, two, in, in twice in 13 days that um, I think you're really, you're, you're really really frustrated with it. And, again, the fact that you have a head coach that's in limbo just adds to the frustration. And I don't really know what the future holds for this program. This is – like, you disagree with this, Matt? Over the last three years, with the highs, highs of the program, it always felt like you were looking upwards. You mm-hmm. felt like things were going to get better. Uh, you really, at this point right now, not to be a total Debbie Downer, and of course we're caught up in the emotion of a really disappointing loss where they didn't show up and you have a head coach that's being kind of noncommittal about his future. I think you can say for the first time in a couple of years that the tra- trajectory is kind of like TBD. I don't know. I think it's better if Mario Cristobal comes back, clearly, because there's continuity. You have recruiting class. You have mm-hmm. still a very talented roster. You're still going to you're going to have a good team. Your roster is going to improve going into 2022 sure. from on paper ranking perspective. Absolutely. Now the question is though, if he doesn't return, what happens? And how, what happens to your 2022 recruiting class, which again is two weeks from being finalized? Um, what happens with who the head coach is? What about the stylistic matchup from the head coach to the roster? How many of these guys decide to take a look in the portal? Yeah. Um, some of these guys could follow Mario Cristobal to Miami. Some of these guys could do all sorts of things in terms of how they want to pursue pursue their futures. Um, there is just, I think right now, and again, it's an emotional state here. Matt and I are very passionate about this whole program. That's part of the reason we do this. Um, not part of it. It's the central reason we do this. We care, and I think it's hard right now in this moment to not feel a sense of uncertainty about what the future holds. And it could be a year 
um, it could be a couple weeks here that are very dis- disappointing. And I think, again, the future of this program comes down to these next couple of days and what ultimately happens. And, and again, we're left kind of in the same spot as the listeners are at this moment of just kind of uncertainty. I think if you're Oregon, look, our mentions, our message board on DuckTerritory.com, there is a very strong voice right now among the fan base that is out here saying, fine, go to Miami. We don't care. Go, go. And I think that is wrong. This should be your head coach. You should demand Mario Cristobal to stay as a fan base. You should be pissed off if he leaves. You should not. 100%. You should not be celebrating if he leaves this team. Because, look, yes, Oregon has played for two national championships under two different head coaches. Mario Cristobal has not reached the college football playoffs in his four years as head coach at Oregon. Okay? But the trajectory of this program, the ceiling of this program, has been elevated tremendously under the leadership and the guidance of Mario Cristobal. First, it's the sheer physical brand of football. It's the level of athlete that they're bringing into this table. Second, it's the commitment to resources, the money that they're spending on not only him, but on their assistant coaches, their coordinators, the support staff, the strength and conditioning staff, the facilities. They're building a whole new indoor complex. And I don't think that happens if the first four years under Mario Cristobal are here and don't play out the way that they have played out. Sure. Okay, Things are progressing in a manner and going in a direction where Oregon fans should be livid if he leaves because he is taking them in the right direction in a path to, I truly still believe, the college football playoff. That being said... I mean, they weren't even that far off this year, by the way. No. At a certain and point, think of all the injuries they've had to deal with. They're, sure. Still, sure. they're still there. That being said, if I'm Rob Mullins and I'm the athletic department at Oregon and I'm the big boosters, if I'm Phil Knight, if I'm Pat Kenny, the, the, the smart decision makers in this athletic department, you sit Mario Cristobal down for this press, for, for this new contract that they're working on, and it's reportedly on, on the scale of Lincoln Riley, who's supposedly getting over $100 million dollars, on the same scale as Mel Tucker, $95 million. On the same scale as Brian Kelly in the $90 million range. It's somewhere in that sphere. If that's where this is going, and look, I think it's worth it. Okay? It's worth it. But if this is where this is going, this has to stop after this. No, no more of every other season, Mario Cristobal's name being linked to a job. Right. And look, I understand. He cannot control what Auburn in 2020 did or what Miami in 2019 did, or what Miami is doing right now and trying to hire him as the new head coach of their program. He can't control what other programs want in him to try and get him to come there, but he can control by going to his agent and saying, I don't care. I'm at Oregon for the long haul. I'm done. You don't need to leverage and posture every other season as it's happened in, in, in his time here to get – just a little bit more out of Oregon to get a little bit more because this fan base and this athletic department and these boosters have shown time and time again, look, you need something, we'll get it to you. But it's it's time for the leveraging to stop and he's planted roots here. His family enjoys being in Eugene. It's time to let those roots grab hold and not uproot them anymore. Enough is enough with this leveraging and posture. And and the remedy has to be a huge contract that just says, hey, he's off limits. That's what you need here. And 
I, I think that's what they're off. It's going to be <laughs> everything. All the indications. John Canzano had a, a, a story today prior to the game. His reporting was saying that this offer that is on the table right now that Mario has acknowledged exists that has he's seen is in the range of what Brian Kelly and Lincoln mm-hmm. Riley got. That's the remedy. Mario Cristobal signs this. He needs to be here for the long haul, for the entirety of that contract. And you're right. It's frustrating every year right around this time. To go it happens. This, yeah. Every year to go through this. And I don't think that's by accident. Obviously, he's, an inc- he's had incredible success. He's built this program, I think, very admirably in terms of recruiting at such a high level. Of, of developing players at a high level. I've, I've seen people criticize the player development. I think that's ludicrous. Absolutely. Obviously, the result tonight is very disappointing. Utah does not have, quote-unquote, the same players from a recruiting rankings perspective, but don't take anything away from them. I think Mark Crispin needs to grow as a head coach. Yep. He's 62-60 and 60 in his career as a head coach. At Oregon, he's much better. At Oregon, yes. He's 35-13. and 13. Yes. I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to diminish that, but... He is about he, he is about to become a top paid a top ten paid coach in the country. He doesn't have a national championship to his name as a head coach. He's done it obviously as an assistant. He's obviously done it as a player, but as the man leading the the program, he doesn't have a national championship to his name, and he's about to be paid as handsomely. And if if he signs it with Oregon, enough, no more. You, you, it, Oregon has shown they will take care of you. They will pay fair market value. But I just feel like at this point in time, it's, hey, man, we we know you need to be paid more. He's, he's underpaid right now. Yes. He, he is. And at, But at this point in time, it just feels like at some point, it's like, do you really, every other year, do we really need to be doing this? Well, if he's underpaid, pay him the money now and, and finish it. Right. Finish and, it. And, that, and that's on the athletic department is they need to step forward. And I guess to flip this, so it's not just all on Mario, Rob Mullins, Oregon's athletic director, and the big decision makers in that in that department at the school, and then the big boosters, Phil Knight, Pat Kilkenny, and others, they need to sit down and they need to say, okay, is this our guy? For ten years, eight and a half million dollars, eighty-five million concessions, all that. How are they going to pay for it when they have a sixty-thousand-seat stadium? They don't have the hundred-thousand-seat stadium. They're going to have to get creative. They're going to have to find ways to get it done. But if this is the guy that you think is to take you to the college football playoff and to get to the championship game and to win it, which I think it is, I, I am not advocating for Crystal Ball to leave. I'm not advocating for Oregon to, to go penny pitching. He is the guy, and if and if they think that way too, like you said, they need they need to make it very clear he's not going anywhere with an offer, and then Mario needs to accept it. Yeah, that's the next step. And this is a you're kind of at a crossroads with this relationship, right? Where it's kind of almost like an engagement. That, the girl's asking, okay, you're going to put the ring on my finger? And Oregon's kind of been like, let's go ring shopping. Let's go look at some of these rings. Ooh, these are nice rings. Don't you like this ring? Oh, I'll keep that ring. Oh, that's a nice ring. I'll stick around for a little bit. If I, No, you need to you need to pony up. You need to get in the knee and, and propose. And if you're Oregon, you need to do that right now because it's going to be Miami if you don't. And if it's not Miami for whatever reason, it'll be another thing next year, like you said. Um, get this done now if you're Oregon. And if it doesn't happen and Mario chooses Miami, it better not be dependent upon the fact that the dollar sign isn't what you want it to be. Because if the figure's too low and that's what it comes out, that's going to be very disappointing for this program. Or it'll indicate that maybe this, maybe those that are making these decision makers, like you said, 
Maybe they're not sold. Yeah. I doubt it, but maybe that's what it is. If, if the number is low, I don't expect that to be the case. I think the number is going to be big, but we'll see. All right. Uh, things that are outside of the realm of Mario Cristobal and his status at Oregon. Um, what bowl Oregon goes to moving forward, more than likely it will be the Alamo Bowl that played on December 29th in San Antonio. Um, I believe the Pac-12 representative that goes to that game since the creation of the Pac-12 championship game is 0-9. Um, it's, great. it's very, very common to see a team show up deflated, not inspired to play in that game, and quite honestly, if I remember right, get blown out. Um, will Oregon buck that trend? I'm very curious to see how this team responds, and I'm very curious to see who plays in this bowl game. Will there be opt-outs? And look, most we have reached the point now, I think, where people accept the fact that opt-outs happen, and people are not going to be upset. Uh, I mean, there will be people who are upset, but I think the majority of people understand. Just to fuel the fire here, Kayvon Thibodeau posted on Instagram, end of an era, just do it. He's, he's not going to play in the Alamo Bowl. I wouldn't expect him to <laughs> At Rose Bowl, I would. I think Rose Bowl, maybe, probably. Alamo Bowl, no. Um, I mean, we don't need to run through all the guys who could or could not play. But that's uh, going to be the ones, like, but, who plays? Who right, shows up? Sure. No, that's that's the question. I mean, obviously, I think KT is an obvious one. Um, there are other players that we could speculate on. I, w- I would note that Jerome McKinley, I think, made it very clear he was intending on playing based upon his comments today. I think Alex Forsyth did the same thing. Mm-hmm. There are players, though, that are going to be looking at their professional futures and going, is it worth it to play in an Alamo game, Alamo Bowl game? And uh, that will be something to monitor. A couple other things that I think are worth bringing up, Matt, um, all year we've wondered when Ty Thompson is going to be Ty Thompson. He's at three games. If yeah. he plays in the Alamo Bowl, he doesn't burn his red shirt. Is there an argument to be said of, hey, let's turn over a new leaf. It's going to be Ty Thompson. I'm just top- This is off the cuff yeah. here, right? We haven't really discussed this, but I'm thinking there's an argument Regardless of who the head coach is, you, by split, the way. you split duties. You you let Anthony Brown play out a little bit, or, or or do you just say Anthony? I'm sorry, you've done your thing. You won won ten games this year. Ty, you're the quarterback next year. This is your time. Start it now. You're not burning a red shirt year. You could be the starter for four more years if you want to be here. I'm, I'm not saying I'm not advocating that I would do that. I'm saying that's something that to me should well, at least be on the table. I think it was absolutely ludicrous that we didn't see Ty Thompson in this game. Well, I think the reason we didn't see him was because they're hopefully saving him for a bowl game, or maybe that's being optimistic. And I think, well, and I was just going to say right into that because I thought you were going to say they were trying to preserve his red shirt, which in today's college football world, red shirts are useless. Well, Mario has said that. Remember, that's what he told you yeah. like 10 days ago. That's what he said. Like, he, he, they're trying to monitor the red shirt here. Like that, 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 that is so dumb because. If Ty Thompson is as good as what people in t- inside that program said he was when he showed before he showed up as a high school recruit, and if Ty Thompson is as good as we all expect him to be, he's not here five years. Sure, he's not. He's here four, and there's a real possibility he's here three. And yeah, you know, if he's that good, maybe he's not. And if he's not that good, you know what? This program shouldn't have a problem to, to find another quarterback. Maybe it's Jay Butterfield. Maybe it's Quinn Ewers. Yeah, Ewers. maybe it's Quinn Ewers. So I, the, the fact that they were saving his red shirt to me is just silly. I mean, I, I, I would much rather preserve the red shirt in the event that week one against, by the way, Georgia, week one, 2022, mm-hmm. what if he comes out and he gets hurt? And now you've burned the red shirt and you can't use it for an injury. I would much rather keep that in my back pocket and just say, like, you know what? Like, 
If we get if we get Ty Thompson for three years as a starting quarterback, that's money. I mean, th- that's all you could ask for. Three years as a starting quarterback, and then he's gone. Your program should be good, should be fine. You should be able to, to, to find a new quarterback. Um, but you're right. I, I I would expect. I would hope. I would want. I would need to see Ty Thompson because we are quickly. Now I don't want to get this podcast so far off the tangent because we're going in a bunch of different directions. I think we should though. This is kind of the. This is how we. I mean, we don't have to go for another hour, but I right. feel like we can go for a while talking on these kind of things. But this, this is, is what we want to talk about. But this is what the biggest issue was in 2019 when Herbert graduated. Mm-hmm. Is they did not get ample reps for Tyler Shuck to have a clear indication of who he was when it, he's playing with a lack of a better word, live bullets, and playing in, in real game situations. They did not get enough reps. To, in my eyes, to have a clear understanding of what they what they had. So what did they do? They went out and they got Anthony Brown. And in 2020, it was Tyler Shuck starting every single game. Mm-hmm. And then in the Fiesta Bowl, Anthony Brown got all the reps, basically, after Shuck had one drive. Um, he Brown played a little bit in the fourth in the, the, the Pac-12 championship game against USC, but it was a very designed, hey, he comes in, he's going to run the football, basically. He didn't, it was red zone stuff. It, it was For very him. specific stuff. But... They opened things up a little bit against uh, Iowa State, and I don't think we learned enough in that game either. That no, if that Oregon could go into this 2021 season fully confident that Anthony Brown was the guy at quarterback, because I think through 13 games against elite teams, he he's not he's not good enough. No, and show that tonight. Yes, and now we go into the 2022 football season. Anthony Brown cannot be on this team anymore because he's ran of eligibility. And we don't know diddly squat of what these three guys that they have, Jay Butterfield, Ty Thompson, and Robbie Ashford, what they can do. That's why I'm advocating for play him in the bowl. And that's why I would honestly, my place right now, and this might change over the next week or two, I don't know. I'm, again, we're kind of in this weird limbo of the emotion of the loss, trying to look forward, trying to figure everything out. But I would advocate for, hey, Anthony, you got us ten wins. You won us a division. You beat us. You beat Ohio State for us. Like all sorts of great things. You've done your job. T- Ty's the next quarterback. Yeah, he's going to start the Alamo Bowl. He's going to play the whole game. Yeah, you're not trying to win the bowl game, but you are. Yeah, of course. But but, but your bigger priority is, is getting Ty Thompson ready, making is, sure you know what you have at least because is, you're right. We didn't know going getting yourself set for 2022. Yeah, and part of that is winning the game, going into the offseason with momentum of a victory, but. A bigger piece of it is positioning yourself with your roster to know what you have mm-hmm. going into 2022. And right now, no idea. That's why I think they need to go out and get another grad transfer, or not a grad transfer, but portal. A, 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 portal. a portal. They got to hit the portal for a quarterback. I'm not. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I. It seems like. Yeah, I mean, you probably do. You probably need to at least at least consider it. You need to you need to have some deep conversations about what the future of quarterback is because, frankly, they might have an idea. Yeah. But all of those, all of that concept in conception. We've seen this three years in a row. Well, all that concept comes from practice, like you yeah. said. We haven't seen Ty Thompson face live bullets, like you said. Um, and I think the Alamo Bowl or whatever bowl game it is, mind you, because it, it could be different. Um, is a perfect opportunity to at least test and see where he's at. And you might come out of it feeling really, really good. He might perform really well and to the point where fans are going, why, why didn't we see this guy earlier? Yeah. Right? And then you go into the offseason with some momentum because you think, okay, we've got our guy. We know who it is. It's Ty Thompson. 
Or he performs really poorly, and now that forces your hand to, yeah, we're going to have to go into the portal. We're going to have to find alternative solutions because he's the guy we were depending upon, and based upon what we've seen, we can't with 100% certainty say. But I think you owe it to yourself in the program to have an idea after this bowl game and to, and to at least make sure you don't go into spring ball with three quarterbacks who have next zero game reps yeah. and saying one of these guys is going to be the quarterback. On, mind you, a very talented roster that faces Georgia week one and will be expected to make a run at another conference championship. And, and look at the college football playoff. I mean, we were saying in 2020 and We said 2020 this is the year. This is supposed to be the year. And it's. And I'm, I'll tell you right now, like I said earlier, I don't know what my confidence level is right now. I think the team overall should be really talented. There's a lot of good players that I think could come back. They're recruiting at a high level. Of course, all of this is contingent upon what we talked about earlier of, of Mario Cristobal's availability or, or his decision about what he wants to do. But you owe it to yourself to figure things out at quarterback because this year was a bridge year with Anthony, yeah. and I was hoping that you would come to the end of it at least knowing what you had in Ty Thompson. And, again, we have no concept of what he is. And, I mean, I think we're 30 or so minutes into this podcast, and we haven't even discussed the scenario of, okay, Mario Cristobal goes to Miami. Joe Moorhead now has reportedly, has reportedly is on his way to Akron. Who coaches this bowl game if Cristobal leaves? Does Moorhead stay? What happens if Cristobal stays? Who's the offensive coordinator if Moorhead takes the job at Akron? Who is the offensive coordinator for the bowl game? Who's the offensive coordinator do you target? There, there is it is mind blowing how this team is ten and three. Um, they were the number three team in the country with a clear path to the number two spot in their college football playoff rankings three weeks ago. And all of a sudden, we don't know if the head coach is going to be here or not. We don't know if the office coordinator <laughs> is going to be here or not. Things flip so we, fast. We, we don't know who's playing in the bowl game, who's not playing in the bowl game. We we have an idea of some guys who are coming back, but I think there's going to be a clear indication that some guys are entering the portal. Some of them have already done it. Michael Pittman. Mm-hmm. Some guys will probably also enter the portal. Uh, do guys go pro? Do you guys come back? There is a ton of uncertainty with this team now all of a sudden. A lot, and I would like to think there are tons of contingency plans in place from a coaching perspective. I'm sure there are. I'm sure they have a hierarchy of who would be the interim coach, but you're right. With the possibility that you lose both Mark Cristobal and Joe Moorhead, and I don't think that's a far-fetched concept at all, who's your interim head coach? Is it Tim Druder? He's been a head coach before. Probably. Probably. That's probably who it is. Who's your play caller? It's probably Jim Mastro. He called plays when Joe Moorhead wasn't available against Stanford. Um, If that's your answers, okay. But those are basically placeholders because I guarantee you neither of those guys will be in those positions in 22. And that's where the urgency has to be to make some decisions here because – in theory, you could bring in a head coach. I don't think he would coach the bowl game, but you'd have him around this program, and you'd have an idea of what you have. And, again, I think forward thinking, they, 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 they have to have some stuff figured out here really, really quickly. And Rob Mullins is going to have some sleepless nights trying to figure all this stuff out in the next couple of days. And we're going to have some as well trying to parse through it all and, and have a, some sort of idea of what the plan is going forward. Because I, I, I just we said it a second ago, and, and I think it bears repeating. Think of how quickly things have shifted here of – Two weeks ago, it was, okay, they went out there in the college football playoff. Mario Cristobal has a chance to win a national championship. Now it's you're going to probably the Alamo Bowl. You don't know who your head coach is going to be for the long term. And frankly, you don't know who really even cares about playing in this bowl game. Um, it's it's a very stark difference from where we were um, on November 23rd before the first of two embarrassing losses to the Utes 
And tip of the cap to Utah. I will be excited and very intrigued to see how they perform in the Rose Bowl. Um, I don't know if Utah has been in a Rose Bowl for a very long time. I They've think, never been to the Rose Bowl. Okay, and that was kind of where my head was up. I didn't want to say it with, it with sounding stupid. I guess maybe I made myself sound stupid saying it that way. Sorry, listeners. Um, <laughs> you don't know all of Utah's bowl history. My bad. But what I will say is is I will be very curious to see how they perform, and it might be against a team that Oregon has played, which is Ohio State, and it will be interesting to see, I think, from just looking at the season and how it progressed, of Oregon beat Ohio State September 10th, how did they September care? 11th. They just got blown out by Utah two straight times. If Utah goes and gets wiped off the field by Ohio State, I think you can pretty clearly point to a couple of things. Ohio State got better, and Oregon regressed. And Oregon might have regressed a lot. It's nuts. Um, I'm, I don't, I, I'm very shocked that this is the position that Oregon has, has found themselves in. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of anger within the program. Um, I think there's a lot of soul-searching within the program as well. Um, because let, let's end it here. Okay. Um, Mark Cristobal comes back to Oregon uh-huh. in 2022. Yeah. The operation that was run in 2021 cannot carry over to 2022. The, the, the inability to not throw the football down the field. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. That has to stop. Yeah. Um, this isn't feasible against big boy programs. You can't have a quarterback go 13 for 24 with two picks in a Pac-12 championship game. I, I, I don't know how many times um, Oregon this season attempted third and six, third and five, third and nine, third and ten, uh, a pass three yards before, behind the line, you know, behind the sticks. Yeah. Yeah, Five yards, third, third, third and six, and you, and you complete a pass one yard beyond the line of scrimmage. Checkdowns. You you cannot beat consistently. You cannot reach the goals of this of this team that they have without a downfield passing attack. I mean, that's what you listen to the broadcast on ABC tonight. Kirk Herbstreit, time and time again, they need to take shots down the field. They need to loosen up the Utah defense. They don't respect Oregon's downfield passing attack. Therefore, everyone's up at the line of scrimmage, and they're just clogging all the lanes, and Oregon can't do anything they want. And when they do try and throw, there's no time because they're blitzing and they trust their one-on-ones. Oregon has recruited at an all-time level at receiver. Devin Williams, Chris Hudson, Troy Franklin, Dante Thornton, Isaiah Brevard, Territoria McMillan. Isaiah Crocker tonight. Isaiah Crocker tonight. How about that? The tight ends. Yeah, I know. You have too many weapons to be checked down offense. You have to open it up, and that needs to change. Your commit. I understand the commitment to the run game, the wanting to stress the physicality of it, wanting to grind teams away, but Alabama changed. Clemson has changed. Ohio State has changed. LSU changed LSU, a hell of a lot that one year. Yes, LSU changed a hell of a lot the year they won the national championship. Georgia has changed. And if Oregon wants to get there, they have to adapt. Utah is a playoff team if they went with their better quarterback who could throw the football week one this season. Probably. Yeah. I mean, there's a they adapt, stark, they adapted. Stark difference. They adapted. They did not have a quarterback who could consistently throw the football down the field and make the plays that were needed. They made a change. And what did they do? 
I think they went on to go 10 and 1 over their next 11 games. Oh, they went 9, nine and, and 1. 9 and 1. Won the conference championship and kicked the ass of the Pac-12 two-time defending champion twice in three weeks. Yeah. No, there there need to be changes made. Philosophical changes need to be made. Philosophically, they make changes, and that will come down to who's the offensive coordinator. We know it's not going to be. We're very. We suspect it will not be Joe Moorhead, based upon reports out there. A lot of change coming, guys. It's going to be a wild month of December. We have National Signing Day. We have the coaching carousel in its full glory. We are going to have the transfer portal to monitor now. We're going to have guys deciding what they want to do with their NFL draft decisions. Like, honestly, it's going to be wild. And we're going to have a lot of podcasts talking about this. We're going to have a lot of conversations on DuckTerritory.com um, on the message board talking about this, a lot of articles. Stick with us. Um, apologies for any of our rants tonight were uh, you didn't like. They were from the cuff. It was from the heart because, we, again, we care about this program and we want this program to, to, to achieve big things, and it felt like there was a possibility that would be this year. Clearly it's not. And for I think for the season to end with a whimper like this, it's just really disappointing. Yeah. It's very disappointing, and you hope for better, and I do think this next month is going to determine an awful lot about what this program is going to be going forward. It's going to do it for us here on the Odds and Audibles podcast. Thank you for listening to the show. Throughout the season for your postgame editions, we'll have one more uh, when we find out Oregon's bowl eligibility, where they're going. Um, in this bowl game. We expect it to be San Antonio and the Alamo Bowl, but I don't think that's 100% of the lock. It's probably very close to it, but it's not for sure. Um, we'll have reactions to bowl announcement on Sunday. Uh, we'll have reactions if there's any kind of coaching news with Joe Moorhead, with Mario Cristobal here in the next couple of days. Um, if there isn't anything that comes out up until then, next time you hear from us, uh, we'll be that bowl game reaction, and then we'll also have one on Monday, which is a mailbag. So start sending your questions in now to Eric uh, on social, um, and we'll start collecting those. So thank you so much uh, to listening to this show throughout the season. Until then, you've been listening to the Austin Audible Podcast. Talk to you later, folks.